Hey, did you hear about the Lego truck accident? No. They're still piecing together what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Why is this so awkward? I don't know. You're supposed to keep talking. Oh, I totally forgot. Well, he's Luke. And she's Molly. And we are L&M. Boom. Theme song. This week, we're going to continue the conversation that we were having last time, like two months ago. (laughs) Did we lie? I think we said next week. It's been longer than a week. Or maybe we did say next time. No, we did say next week. Okay. Well, here we are, next time, and we're going to continue what we were talking about. (laughs) Last time. (laughs) So last week, which was two months ago or more, uh, we were talking about what happened. Like, where did your joy go? How did I become such a control freak? And how did we heal from that? Yeah, because that's a big thing. Last time we talked about how you were mistyped. I was mistyped. You thought you were nine, but you're a seven. I thought it was a two, but I'm a four. Yep. Yeah. You know, when I was looking at the basics of our numbers. Right. And I looked at how we were living and it wasn't matching up. Sure. And that really bothered me. When I would read the basics of the seven and they talked about how you manifest favor, essentially. Right. That you're really happy and full of joy but when i looked at you i didn't see the joy we didn't see that at all can do you want to talk about that um yeah i mean i think for a number of years i was pretty negative obviously i would still laugh at things you know i would still have fun but it just looked way different than when i was younger once you're in that for a long time like once you see yourself that way it's hard to remember what it was like before that or even really like envision yourself being that type of a person again i was in the past you know talking about like the manifesting uh favor and all that kind of stuff like i would go into a job interview and just get the job basically no questions asked we're not lottery players so it wasn't anything like good luck or anything crazy like that, you know. But sevens can just randomly pull things out that doesn't typically work for other people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that is attributed to the, your guys' confidence. I'm pretty naturally confident. I think when I think of your guys' confidence, I see how you guys aren't really caught up in the push and pull of the emotions. No. I think that's one of my favorite things that I really, really like about sevens. And I really see how those emotions don't 
um, there just aren't a roadblock for you in that way. No, not really. But on the other side of it, not processing those emotions can really bring up a lot of anger, frustration, um, depression. It's hard to communicate. Yep, big time. Because of it, there are blind spots, essentially. Yeah, blind spots is a great term for that. <laughs> I was really envious of you when we first got married. Why? Because you were just so confident. <laughs> and it just, things just came so much easier for you. Yeah. And that, you know, one of the things that we'll eventually talk about is church related things. Mm-hmm. That'll be a future podcast. But you were given um, opportunities that I wasn't. Right. And a lot of times like, that really confused me and hurt me. And, um, really started to plant the seed of resentment. Sure. When we got married and you were so used to your independent life mm-hmm. and I, I wanted more of your attention yep. and more of your affection. I wanted your emotions that just weren't there right. on the surface. And so, um, and you would fight me on it. Yeah. We fought a lot. We did. I don't remember now what we fought about or what the fights were like. I just remember that we were fighting a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had this like really romanticized view of what life was going to be like. And it was not matching up. (laughs) No, I think we all kind of go into things with expectations, with certain expectations. And then the majority of the time, they don't work out. No. Because I don't even remember what kind of expectations I had when we got married. If any. I just thought we were going to have a lot of fun and a lot of romance and holding hands, making out in public. Mm-hmm. I do remember wanting to do the, um, where do we see ourselves in like five years mm-hmm. kind of thing. And you never, ever wanted to do it. No, I think I we did it like several times throughout our marriage and you hated it every time. Every time. Because like, yeah, I'm a planner, but I don't plan that far ahead. <laughs> At least not when you're 20 years old, you don't. So when we would fight, it really, really triggered me. And it felt like you were trying to like control me in some ways. But I'm not your dad. <laughs> but I didn't know that then. Nope. You know, because you are so much in your head. The way you looked at me and the way you talked to me just made me feel foolish. Sure. And so then I would fight back. And I got the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Up until like a year ago. You still have the upper hand, but we're more equal. We are more equal. I have the upper hand out of respect. Yeah, for sure. So going back to the question, what happened to your joy? When I was looking at our typing, I believe what I was seeing was that I took your joy, that I really went into the low side of my one and punished you for having favor. Yeah. Punished you for having joy. Mm-hmm. Because I was miserable. <laughs> Why were you so miserable? That's a great question. Yeah. Is it because the expectations weren't lived up to? The ideal wasn't lived up to? That is a great question. It's a very complicated question for me. There's a lot of different moving pieces. But mm-hmm. one of the main ones is that I wanted you to feel the loneliness in me. I expected you. To feel the loneliness. You expected me. High expectations. Wow. But I couldn't do that. No. How come? 
Because you're a seven. Because I'm a seven. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you just didn't understand what it was that I was needing. No. I part of that ideal that I had, this romanticized view of what marriage was going to look like. I expected you to be my mirror, and to mirror back to me what I was feeling. Sure. But what I was feeling, that loneliness, the despair, what was making me feel so miserable, long predated you. Right. Like you married into somebody who was depressed. And then I think you also wanted me to be a feeler. I wanted you to mirror back to me what I was feeling and what I was experiencing, but I didn't even have words or language to what I was feeling or experiencing. I was spiraling completely out of control. Yeah, and I can't, you know, I can't read your mind, and I'm not a feeler, I'm not an empath, you know, so I wasn't able to do that. I think, too, like, you, um, I mean, obviously, these are all things that you've learned over the years, but back then, you were, what, 20? Yep. And had no idea. No. Because we didn't even date. We were not experienced. Mm Mm-mm. We had no idea what it meant to be in a relationship, much less being married. No, because we basically just hung out until we got married. Pretty much. I mean, we hung out a lot, and so people could say that we were technically dating. We didn't really, like, go through some of these, you know, some of the things that, like, dating couples have or do. Right. You know, we just pulled the trigger. Right. And I think, like... Because we were so inexperienced and so many people that were around us um, were inexperienced as well. Yeah. Like our friend groups were not experienced either. And so we were all just trying to figure it out as we went. Mm -hmm. But looking at us specifically, I really think that I broke you in some ways. Sure. You know, I really like being in that low side of my one of instead of looking at me and taking ownership of what I was feeling and experiencing, I turned around and pointed my finger at you and said, you're to blame. Right. This is your fault. And I punished you for it. Right. I suffocated you. And I think by the time the military opportunity came around, it was a yes in some ways because it was something different. For me? Yeah. Something a little bit more exciting. Even though I think deep down you knew it was a bad decision. Yes. You still jumped in. Yeah, I think that in itself was something that you did, too. Yeah. Of, like, talking me into it because, you know, it was an experience. It was something to do. It was, you know, going to be steady money, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Even though knowing I don't take orders very well. You know, maybe someday we can talk about what military life was like. But I really don't think that it's, like, a huge part of our story. I think it was just a chapter. Yeah. Just a yeah, it's just a part of our you know, the things that came out of it are kind of another story, but the like the actual military itself is a very short yeah, part of our story. And we basically were just roommates. I was miserable. I didn't leave my house. I didn't have friends. I think I had one friend. Mm-hmm. We did some fun things, but not to the extent of what we could if we were living there now. Right. Or if we, like, planned things better or budgeted money better. Right. Which we would do now. Yeah. 
I think it was a good experience mm-hmm. for us overall. I don't regret it. No, I don't think we were ready. So I think it, those years that we were apart, I think was really good for us. Yeah, I would say so. Because I remember um, 2006, you just left. Mm-hmm. I went back to our apartment and I sat down and I was just like, well, I feel like I've been living in a fog my entire life. And I think I'm ready to like snap out of this fog. Yeah. And I think it took until 2016, so 10 years, for me to come out of that fog. But it, I was genuinely working through that fog. But I had no tools. I had no guidance. Um, I remember going to a couple people, and it just felt so much shame. Sure. Looking back at it now, I went to head types. Mm, yeah. Or a very dominant body type. Right. Who didn't have anything in the feeling center and so i was looking for guidance and advice by people who couldn't even they had no capacity to even understand it yeah so their wisdom didn't uh work for me right and it just made me feel like there was something more wrong with me so basically you came home 2010 Mm -hmm. and i think we just kind of slipped into our roles so to speak and just didn't really know how to snap out of them right I would go to work, you know, we attempted to cook, yeah, just like the roles of, you know, husband and wife, but like at the same time, like you were doing photography, so like you were a business owner, I stepped into, you know, partnering with you with that, but then I was also had a job myself, and our lives were basically just busy with work, you know, for a while. And I don't think we knew how to see each other with fresh eyes. Mm Mm-mm. I think that even that concept of just taking a step back, reevaluating and looking at each other again was so far outside of our perimeter of thinking. So when we decided to move after we've been in the area in Minnesota forever, Mm -hmm. our whole lives, somebody told me that don't even worry about friends. Don't worry about church. It's just going to be you and Luke. That's it. And I remember even just coming to Austin the first time just to visit. God was telling me, is going to be healing and i had no idea what that meant right none i mean i think both of us had a different ideal of how it was going to be healing for us just me coming to visit was going to be healing oh right and then i came home and i was like i think we should move mm-hmm. and literally every single person we talked to god already told them that we're moving right and i never thought that we would be the first ones to move i thought somebody else would move Right. Yeah, as far as, like, our kind of closer friend group. Yeah, but as far as, like, our little group, Uh our little community that we had grown, I thought for sure that we would have friends, like, move to California or something first. Yep. And I never thought that it would be us moving first. And so, um, you know, we're leaving our town, and we're just, like, we're leaving it all behind us. Yep. We're not taking it with us. Nope. Nothing. We left behind old dreams, mm-hmm. our business, friends, everything that we knew and loved, we left it behind. Yep. It's just crazy. And we started over. And I think when we got here, you know, obviously we took a number of weeks, just kind of like before I started any type of work or whatever, and we just kind of got adjusted to the city of Austin. And it's like, it's just a way different vibe than what we were used to. And I think we really learned quickly that how we were living in Minnesota just wouldn't really work here. Because, like, there isn't really a 9-to-5 life. Obviously, those jobs exist. 
but how we lived, like job structure, time, things like that just weren't, you know, food, eating, you know, weren't going to be the same as they were in Minnesota. Right. I mean, the sad part, I mean, if you want to call it sad, I don't really find it sad anymore, is that the community that we thought we were moving into, as far as like people, yeah. um, connections, community, like that kind of community, yeah, right. did not exist. No. <laughs> it, it was in my head. Right. But it, well, it was also it was also fed by someone. It was fed by someone. Yeah. I think it was fed by. And yourself. And myself, but I I think it was mostly. It's tricky, because on one side, I saw it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, we've invested this much time in each other. Like this should be a given. Like we're friends, we're family. Mm-hmm. We've done any, like we've done so much for you. Right. Because we love you. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side it was just like, but we actually didn't know each other. No. We really didn't. And I chased someone that didn't want to be chased. Right. I was chasing someone who was running away from me. Pretty much. And that had nothing to do with me. No. So as much as it hurt and it stung to come here and realize, you know, it took like what, six months Mm-hmm. I think for me to really release that of, oh, okay. Yeah. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. We're on our own. Right. We're on our own. And now I can look at it and be like, I'm so glad that I'm alone. I right. go to Minnesota and I have to come back. I, I get excited to come back here because mm-hmm. then I'm alone. <laughs> but I really enjoy my alone time. Yeah. I really enjoy sitting in a coffee shop alone Mm -hmm. while I'm surrounded by different energies Mm -hmm. like I really enjoyed that yeah but but I didn't realize that until we did the needs program um but before we can talk about the needs program Mm -hmm. I think we should talk about the other program that we did on our anniversary yep I think it was the week before the week of our anniversary I had asked you are you in love with me and you said I don't know (laughs) <laughs> I said I don't know and uh, so our, my best friend just like you guys need to do this program it was called the conscious relationship I think as far as I can remember I mm-hmm. think that's what it was called and so it was a six week program that we did in three days like a video series yeah and we just crammed it took notes and then plan was to go to the beach to Corpus Christi which is about three hours away and basically just talk about all these different things uh, while we drove and while there. See if we could either make it, you know, have another go at uh, being married or essentially going our separate ways. Yeah. We went to the ocean. Well, I guess not the ocean, the gulf. <laughs> we went to the beach and we had a good time. You know, we talked about all these different things. And if things would get a little too um, too emotional, we would just table it come back to it and you know just like move on to something else and uh you know we learned a lot about each other our our different hindrances and things like that within within our own marriage because from the beginning you know people always have like walls and or things that they just won't tell the other person whether it's out of a trauma response or out of fear or just because they don't want to, you know. So just 
talking about all these different things and um it was a good time it was really good i think we both felt like something was missing for a really long time and i yeah, really think just, that we found it in that program yeah we just i think we we knew something was missing we just didn't know what and how to find it yeah you know like what you were saying is that you know things got too intense we would table it and come back to it that was a strategy i used instinctually because i could feel when things were getting to be too much where we were talking a subject to death a little bit right or if it was getting too scary or too heavy i would stop and be like okay we're just going to come back to this and you really were super receptive to that because typically you don't like to just sit there and talk for 10 hours you don't really have energy for that no and so i just found that you were super receptive to that yep and you actually enjoyed the kind of the change pace so we would talk about one thing move on to the next thing come back to that thing talk about four different things come back to it you know we were all over the place yep and that way i wasn't getting frustrated i wasn't personalizing it i think me realizing or looking at your typing really helped me have grace for you in the areas that like you struggled in especially when we're talking about like really heavy things like our marriage right and it's not that you weren't interested in it Mm-mm. just sometimes words just aren't my forte yeah but then when you when your heart's in it that was good yeah we're just sitting here smiling at each other <laughs> we do that sometimes so something that we we realized you know with through the anagram and that conscious program is that we weren't really i think it was more me than you i mean you can answer for yourself but I wasn't fully allowing you to be fully yourself. And I probably wasn't allowing me to be fully myself either. (laughs) So how weren't you allowing me to be myself fully? I don't know how to put it in words. Huh? I don't know how to put it into words. Um, I wasn't giving space to your sevenness because I didn't know it was a thing. And then it was just like just this adjustment of being open to who you were beyond what I wanted you to be or beyond what I saw mm-hmm. or beyond what I felt and experienced. Yeah. Because what all those things weren't you. Yeah. Not really. Right. I think me being myself was just like a number of years after the military of basically just suppressing like the craziness or you know the fun because you know there's bills to pay there's work to be done you know all these different things that i thought life was supposed to be mainly because i was being told uh by people (laughs) that you know there's more to life than just fun which i do agree but you can have fun while you're doing life which is kind of where i'm at now yeah Like, there's nothing wrong with fun. Work isn't everything and all that kind of stuff. So I think just, like, suppressing those things in myself kind of caused a rift between us as well. Yeah. So looking at the conscious relationship program that we did and then looking at our anagram typing, one of the things that really stood out to me among so many things was that you really needed me to find my emotional balance and to be autonomous. Yeah. I needed you to depend on me and I needed you to invite me into your eternal experiences. 
Oh, right. Because that was something that I realized that was really important to me. It makes me feel really... We'll, we're going to get into the need stuff, but it made me feel really significant. It made me feel seen. It made me feel wanted. Yeah. made me feel close and intimate. And that's like not really something people really talk about much. Nope, not really. Okay, so I want you to tell me about your experience when we were on the beach, you know, cause like we're talking about how I needed you to depend on me mm-hmm. as your partner, as someone who loves you and wanting you to invite me into that space, you know, so you can be able to let your walls down some and be able to trust me and depend on me was something that like you really struggled with. So I want you to just kind of talk about that for a little bit, because I think that what you found and what you came in to realize then was really, really profound. Yeah. So it has to do with water. Um, I can swim, uh, but I can't float. I'd never been really anywhere with salt water before, so I've I didn't know uh, what the experience is going to be like, or anything like that. So we were talking for a little while, and we were talking about surrender. I, like one of my realizations was that I just need to surrender the control of my life, basically. So, like, control of money, control of my job, control of food, control of just, like, whatever. And just to surrender it and, you know, just let go. Let what happens happen. You know, there's really no point in forcing things sometimes. Like, it's just just letting go. Surrender. We kind of put it into action by just going out into the gulf and basically just riding the waves. So I just let go, I kick my feet up, and I just let the waves go under me. You know, just go up and down with the waves. The waves are pretty big, uh, which was kind of surprising. Anyways, um, just going up and down with the waves, you know, realizing that God, my wife, people around me are like the salt in the ocean. They are here to support me and help me surrender. So it was a really good experience. And I still, you know, sometimes I want to take control back, but it doesn't usually work. No. <laughs> um, one of my favorite lessons that was in the Conscious Relationship Program was the analogy of the to me, by me, through me. Mm-hmm. That and was a big one, too. Yeah, I love that. So I think we should talk a little bit about surrender. Okay. Because the whole notion behind the to me, by me, through me is all within surrender. What is surrender? How do we surrender to ourselves? How do we surrender to God? How do we surrender to each other? How do we just fucking let go? Right? (laughs) Especially when you're so attuned to not letting go. Right. I got really hung up on the whole notion of surrender because I felt like if I released my sense of control, then that means I'm a doormat for life. Sure. And obviously that, you know, I didn't understand what boundaries really were yet. So let's just talk about what um, surrender is not about. So it's not about giving up. It's not about rolling over. It's not resignation. It's not weakness. Um, it's not asserting control. Um, it's not... Um, it's not known. It's not a defined path. It's allowing the path to just be shown to you. Yep. And it's most definitely not being a victim. No. It's not a poor me mentality. No. Surrender has a foundation. Mm-hmm. 
It is the core belief that it lives on, and that is, I trust in life's unfolding. That was the whole premise of the the salt in the ocean, just going with it. Yeah. Going with the flow. Right. So we were kind of touching on this earlier about how I had said that, that I was expecting you to fill the void of loneliness yep. that was within me. Yeah. What I didn't realize was that I had a chronic dissatisfaction. Right. I was over-identifying with my pain. Yeah. And so when I was facing this whole notion of surrender, I mean, this is months and months and months and months before I even faced that pain that I'm talking about. Yep. But it was just like this thing of like, well, if I let go, then what happens to my pain? Mm, Yeah. If I release this, then that means they're right. Right. If I let go, then that means you would have power over me. Mm -hmm. I always felt like that I needed to be holding on to that so tightly because if I let go, if I shown any sign of weakness that I would lose. Right. Or get walked all over. Right. So the thing is to me, by me, through me, it's the ladder of surrender Mm -hmm. to me is this victim role. It's life is happening to me. I'm a victim of circumstance. It happens without a choice. Um, and you can at times feel cursed, which is what I felt like in the beginning of our marriage. I felt like I was cursed. Like mm-hmm. you got to have all this favor. And I thought that I would experience that favor just by being married to you. Yeah. And I didn't. So the two me is also, um, it has this belief system of like, It's just not going to happen for me. I don't think that having a relationship in this lifetime will happen to me. I'm the one to blame. Um, I'm paying the price of the universe. Life is against me. Why does it always have to be so hard? Um, It just never works out. People who are in this mode tend to want to disconnect and distract themselves with something. Um, They're addicted to the numbing that they experience. And so, like, for example, I was massively addicted to tv i think our entire marriage i was always watching tv so the metaphor the visual for this is that you're on at the banks of the river um you're not even in the river uh we are watching and not participating we feel like we don't have a choice and we think that we would drown or it's too dangerous or we just don't even try when we're in that mindset we think that we just know how life is yeah that we just have this like this almost like this like superior knowledge of like I can see this realistically this isn't going to work out but it's also bitterness okay so the next one is by me this one's called the creator life happens by me the majority of self development is in this place you are the author of your own life you go out and get it it's there for your taking Your problems and circumstances are created and curated by you. So people who are in this have this belief that I actually transcend my past and I can create the life that I want now. They feel empowered. They feel strong. um, They're able to make a decision. There's vitality. There's freedom. There's a bit of a force that can be brought into there as well. Like people who are in this place are very clear about where they're going and they're taking responsibility for the life that they have. And they're getting shit done. Yes. Um, it's all about being in the driver's seat. Yep. Like before, So you are in the river paddling. Yes. You are in life, making it happen, making, you know, getting job opportunities, whatever with like relationships, 
you are you're just you're you know you're meeting people you're making you're just making stuff happen right okay so the <laughs> metaphor here is in your in your river um you're paddling it's all up to you um you will either find a way or make a way but there's also limits right yeah the limits here is it can feel like empowerment. Life can sometimes throw you a curveball. We realize that we are trying to take control when it's up to divine timing. The lesson here is that you're not the one in control, but you're also not a victim. Right. Because before you were a victim mm-hmm. and now you are paddling, which leads us to the third one. It's called through me. In this place, the move here is the move to surrender. Yep. Full surrender. Um, life happens through you. You're a conduit. Um, instead of being the creator, you become the co-creator of the universe and you're co-responsible. Mm-hmm. You and life can dance and tango together. Instead of chasing things down, you're acknowledging who comes into your orbit. What is naturally wanting to happen here? Yeah. What does life want from you and for you? This is a big shift. There's a magic of mystery here in this place. So the metaphor here, the visual, is going with the flow. So chasing things might not be as fulfilling, and sometimes we just don't want to hold it all together, which is sometimes like our shadow side's coming into play. Um, But it's also really relaxing and trusting and allowing the universe to use us and lead us. This is all necessary flow of development. We need to move through all three, appreciating the process of moving to the next levels. Life isn't against you, but it's through you and your ego isn't running the show. Right. So the to me, by me, through me, what does it represent? It represents appreciating, trusting, and acceptance. And that is surrender. So I needed to learn to appreciate my life. Yeah. And not just stand on the banks of the river. Yeah. (laughs) And I think like we both, stood on the banks of the river in very different ways yeah for sure i know mine was very energy draining very insecure attachment style there and so i just think that like being on that shore side poor boundaries for both of us yep and we were just letting life just kind of trample over us and i think like you know going back to what we were talking about in the beginning i think that you had a pretty good idea i wouldn't call you secure back then or healthy but i think that like i had a very specific impact on how you view the world yeah totally and i think that's something that when we were on the beach we really dug up yeah and released totally for sure so how does that play out for you because i know how it impacts my life just like the whole thing of surrender or the to me by me through me yes because I feel like for a long time, you were in the to me. Oh, for, for sure. For a very long time. Yeah. And then I think really once you found the Enneagram, you moved into the by me because, and I think you're still there because you're still researching. You're still trying to like make things happen with the Enneagram. Yeah. And there's know, nothing learning. wrong. No, there's Just nothing wrong. Just to clarify, there's nothing really wrong with being in like the by me no because it's a stage of life right i think i'm really close to the last one of just release yeah i think i'm i have moments of release but i'm i think i'm like in between yep 
And I think that's a, no, a really good place to be. Yeah, for sure. Like there's certain things where I've learned to just let it go and just let the waters take me wherever it needs to take me with full, complete trust that I'm going exactly where I'm meant to go. And then there's this other part of me where it's just like, no, I have more to learn. I have more to do. I got to go, 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 go. Right. And, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with my background, really pushing into my self-preservation instinct, really pushing into my three wing mm-hmm. because I have a lot of work to do there. Yeah. But I think, I think it's soon, you know, I'm definitely co-creating with God, co-creating with you, but I'm also still having a lot of uncertainty and having to push myself really hard. Right. <clears throat> Not sure there's nothing wrong with that at all? No. But I do not find myself on the edge of the river anymore. No. At all. And I don't see it. Mm-mm. Do you think that this was helpful when we came into the needs program that we did? Yeah. I think they go pretty well hand in hand. So this needs program really just kind of broke down the six core needs that we have. Mm-hmm. Everyone has these fundamental needs that we that drive us, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Love and connection, contribution, significance, growth, certainty, uncertainty. And I think that most people don't talk about their needs. Most people don't know what it is. Yeah. Because when you, when you say needs to most people, they think of money, food, roof over their head. Yeah. Some people view it as desires. Desires, yep. But these are actual needs that we have. Mm-hmm. It's what feeds us. It's what makes us feel connected. It's what makes us feel like we belong. It's how we feel intimate. It's how we feel um, experience surrender. And each person is going to be different too, you know, because like me being a seven, I have a need for certainty and uncertainty as like my top two things. But I don't think like every seven is like that. Like there was just something so simple as like you playing Legos. I had no idea that it filled in your need for uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. And that was something I didn't even realize. It was something, you know, I put that off for years and years and years. Yeah. Till this year. Yeah. And then I noticed that, like, I needed you to fill my need for significance. Mm-hmm. But I never allowed you to do that until this past year. Right. You know, I never opened that. I never cracked myself open in that way of allowing you to make me feel significant. Like you would try and try and try and try. But because of my chronic dissatisfaction, I just was like, "Mm, it's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. But I had no idea that my bucket had holes in it. Yeah. Gotta fill those holes. No. And that's something that we do plan on talking about here in the future because it was pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. But I think our path to wholeness, we have to address the holes in our bucket. Yeah, because the great Henry Winkler said, I feel like I'm Swiss cheese, and with therapy and growth, I become cheddar, because it fills those holes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you see a change in our relationship since we did that program? Yes. It's been almost a year. Yeah. Big time. Ten months? 
I feel like we're more connected. I feel like we can communicate better. I feel like we have more fun. I feel like we're not just living life to live life. We might not be living life to the fullest, per se, but I feel like we do a good job with our life in Austin. Getting out, seeing things, having fun, experiencing different things, you know, taking little trips here and there. Yeah. You know, instead of being focused on just making money, we're focusing on experiences, cooking, trying new things you know eventually here soon some more exercise yeah nature you know all this kind of stuff and we're just we're doing it together i love that yeah i really notice how how we treat each other so much differently now Mm -hmm. we really allow each other to just be ourselves you know like i think like when we did this a year ago i you know, because obviously I was looking at my chronic dissatisfaction. Like, I never thought I could heal that. Right. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And for me, you know, it's just like the surrendering to the ideals, you know, that I had. Yeah. As far as life goes, you know. With you and I both being idealists, idealism isn't bad. I think having ideals are really good. Mm-hmm. And I think planning is really good. However, when we attach our identity or our significance to those ideals, I think we really just set ourselves up to be disappointed, to get hurt. And like, we just have like this, like this cycle of like feeling really frustrated, feeling unseen. And we just ultimately set ourselves up to fail. Yep. However, like I do believe that it presents opportunities for us to go into why we feel frustrated why we have those ideals set up in the first place. Right. Like what needs are we trying to get met? What ideal are we trying to achieve? Yeah. You know? And I think one of, one of the biggest things that we've been learning even just recently, like especially for you, like it just presents like this opportunity to just face what we're needing to face. What feelings are we avoiding? Because when we get in these cycles, like our feelings become unproductive. Our, what our information our body is taking in becomes unreliable. If we're not digging into what we're feeling, what we're needing, what we're thinking about, what we're experiencing, then those like ideals get shaped. And then, then it becomes like this really unhealthy thing. You know, our whole foundation was set on something so unrealistic. Yeah, for you know, sure. mine, mine was romanticized. Yours was... I don't even know. I don't even know either. <laughs> it doesn't even really matter. But we have to let our negative emotions exist. And I'll probably say this a thousand times over and over and over again. We have to allow our negative emotions to exist. We have to allow ourselves to feel disappointments, to feel those things. Yeah. Negative emotions don't have to have power over you. No. They're there, and we just need to embrace them. We don't have to sit in them. We don't have to feel them forever, but we just have to be aware of them. Yeah. Because denying their existence is actually what gives them power. And this is where fear and worry and shame dwell. Mm -hmm. But being conscious of those areas of where we're not facing things the areas that we need 
to surrender, I think that's what leads us to like a deeper level of awareness and consciousness. Totally. So question for you, those of you who are listening, what is it that you want? What can you do to get you off the shore side into the water and swimming? Is life happening to you, by you, or through you? And are you able to surrender those different things in your life that you may have control over? So I think that's where we're going to end it this week. We would love to hear from you. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at we.r.lnm. You are seen, and we're so grateful you were able to join us, and we hope to see you again next week. (laughs) 